ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined by Craig Burley and Stevie Nichol. Later on the show, Mitch Purse will be joining us to discuss the official appointment now of Emma Hayes as the new coach of the US women's side. But we'll kick things off with that incident between Newcastle and Arsenal as over a week after the game, the PGMOL have released the audio. Here it is. I'm now doing a check of potential foul on Gabrielle. So have you got high behind for me, please? Yep. That's great. Just run that through a little. Stu, we've, we've cleared the uh, ball staying in. We're now checking for the back post challenge, mate. From the other end, which might be better. Yeah, thank you. I don't see a specific foul on Gabriel. I see two hands on his back, but I don't see anything of a push that, that warrants him flying forward like that. Right, there's a potential for, as Stuart said, there's a potential for handball, but it's not the goal scorer. No, it's not the goal handball. scorer, and it's not deliberate from anywhere. So, right, Stuart, I need you to look at the screen for me, mate, please. Yeah, so, I'm seeing that the ball comes off um, Joe Linton with no specific foul there. Confirming that I can award the goal. Yeah. Confirmed award the goal, restart with a kickoff. This is all part of the Howard Webb special show. Uh, he talked about after that clip, it could be a foul, it might be a foul. The VAR decides the evidence from the footage isn't clear enough to intervene for a review for a clear error. The opinion that it's split after a lot of analysis since the situation, I'm not quite sure how it's split, uh, suggests that that was a correct non-intervention because of the subjectivity. Uh, Frank LeBeouf is uh, with us. Uh, Craig, what did you make of that audio? What did you make well, of it? Was actually Boringly longer than that, wasn't it? It was four and a half minutes. Because yeah. there was the ball at yes, the play, which, yeah. which was inconclusive. Yes, sure, yeah. The angles that they had, but I, I'm still, I'm still on the same page that I was on when it happened, and that I think Gabriel was either going to head the ball because of the because of the height of the ball was going to try and head it back the way it came, or he was going to try and flick it that way. What about, what, what about what, like you talk about? It's boringly long. I thought actually he went quite quickly for a four and a half minute clip because it kind of gave you an insight as to what was going on yeah. and what they were looking at. It kind of then go quickly for me. But no. don't, don't you think it kind of humanises them a little bit? Like if you have that going out in a stadium or going out at home whilst they're looking at all the different angles and things, don't you think that would garner more sympathy for the officials than just sat there for four and a half minutes How looking into space? In the stadium. Well, I don't, well, at home then. Like if you, if you. I don't know. No. I've, Why not? It, 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 for a start, the sound, it, it sounded a bit like organised chaos. But it always does. There doesn't seem to... Like, every audio clip you hear of these VAR reviews, one person say another, and then another, and do that, and then do this, and do that, and Honestly, do that. I, don't, I wouldn't like to sit and listen to that. The only thing I would change would, I would 100% have the referee making the decision whether it's a foul or not. I still don't understand why the final decision doesn't come down to the referee on the field of play because he's got the heartbeat of the game and, and everything else, and, and that's why he's there. He ultimately should be the one referee in the game, so he's the one that should decide whether there's a push in the back or not. I mean, again, we heard it on the thing. There's two hands on his back, but, th mm. but there's not enough. But he's not refereeing the game. So let the referee decide. 
But personally, I don't want to listen to all that nonsense. You got but, the ref. You got, got the what, referee. We just, we just sat four and a half minutes looking at a picture of the referee and listening to You one, got the referee ch- telling the players to get away. You got the referee asking them at the same time what's going on. You got them with each other. You got another guy asking for a, a for the ball to be the ball that was the, deciding whether it was over the line or not. Yeah. You've got the referee. So you've got the, the assistant in the VAR asking somebody else that's not the referee to move something on two paces. I mean, you've got people talking all over the shop. I, I just thought it sounded a mess. I mean, I, I think the key here is, uh, for me, is that in the booth they didn't feel, even though there was two arms, two hands on a, on a, on a back of the head, back of the shoulders, that they didn't feel that was enough. Mm. As if they suggest, they're basically suggesting that that Gabriel was throwing himself in a position not to play the ball regardless. I, I, I've not changed my position on that. That was a foul. Stevie's right. At the very least, Stuart Atwell should have been sent to the monitor. I said, look, we can't, we can't, we can't conclusively say the ball's not over the line. The on-field decision stands. Have a look and see if you think that's a foul. Have a little trot over. But they didn't do that. And I, and I don't know what Howard Webb's talking about. Well, the analysis is split. <laughs> been spending... Uh, a couple of days on social media following a few idiots. I, I still think it was pretty clear foul to me on the defender and it should have been chopped off. I wonder if Mikel Ateta sitting in North London somewhere listening to the VAR going, yeah. oh, that's... Uh, yeah. I bet he's throwing stuff at that TV when Howard <laughs> Webb's on. Uh, Frank, what did you make of hearing it? Well, I found it very overwhelming for the for all the coach uh, all the coaches in the in the VAR. But it's funny that when they touched the point of where whether uh, Gabriel was pushed by Joel Linton, they asked for a high behind angle where we didn't see clearly. Where you have another angle that we know now, which is behind the goal on the left side, and we clearly see Joel Linton pushing Gabriel, and they didn't use that because they rejected the case very quickly and went on to whether Joe Linton was touching the ball with his hand or not. And they forgot about the main problem, which was Joe Linton pushing Gabriel. And then when the ref asked for to confirmation, say, yeah, okay, no foul, we don't see anything. Uh, the, the ball wasn't outside of the line. It's not a handball from Joe Linton. It's not offside. So, yeah, you can confirm the goal. It, it would, they would have checked from that side, the, the behind the goal uh, side uh, where the camera was, they would have seen the pushing from Drillington, the clearly pushing from Drillington, and they would have disallowed the goal. And I think the rush, yeah, it's, it's four and a half minutes. It may be too slow for Craig, but they have to do that in order to give the right answer, and they didn't. But what, but, but, okay. Transparency and all that. Howard Webb back on TV and all that. What use to anybody is this VAR recording when we know pretty much exactly what has gone on, right? There was no, inc- there was no conclusive angles and the people in the booth didn't think it was a foul. Yeah. Nothing's changed. That's it. Nothing, that, that, that's it. And that's, yeah. that boil, that's, that's the problem across the board, the decision-making across the board. There's no, we don't need any audio to go, oh, that's insightful. We knew as soon as he gave the goal and didn't send the referee to the monitor that the, the officials in the, the booth in Stockley Park didn't think the two hands on the back warranted a chopping of goal yeah, off. Yeah, but Craig, or, Craig. Or warranted I, I, the I'm referee sorry. going to the... Uh, what? 
Uh, do you really think that if the ref would have gone to the uh, to the, uh, the the TV to check by himself, it would have changed the mind of the others and would have say otherwise and say, yeah, I can see there is a foul from Gabriel, where the others they, will all, they all go for they all went for the same decision. I think if the the if VAR had sent Stuart Atwell for a look at the monitor, I think there's a fair chance he may have reversed his on-field decision for the, uh, for the push. I think it's quite clear. I mean, I, I, I don't really see where that action anywhere else on the field is not given as a foul. So uh, this is, we keep saying this. Right. You know, if it's, so why would it not be a foul, particularly in such a dangerous area? So, yeah, look, they've released the audio. It is what it is. But we could have told you what was in the audio. They didn't think it was a foul, in their opinion. OK, let's, yeah. let's move on. We've, we've talked about this a, a, a lot recently. <laughs> uh, we've also talked about the goalkeeping situation at Arsenal. Uh, and Ramsdale's dad uh, has chipped in with his opinion that his son has been replaced by Raya, who, of course, came in at the end of the transfer window. Aaron is going to be the cup goalkeeper, and David Raya is going to be the main man, unless something happens, an injury or sending off. Aaron's got to live with that, and he's living with that even though he's not been told it by anybody. You've got to give the guy a chance, for God's sake. Aaron's lost that smile, and it's difficult. It really is difficult to see him there, and we all keep saying, you need to keep smiling. Smile, Aaron! What are you doing? <laughs> um, does this help anything? Uh, you, you would think his dad would know better not to say anything. But the fact that he's opened up and spoken... Then, then I've got to agree with him. But it does look as though Ramsdale's yes. kind of had enough. And actually, this is all Arteta's fault. Um, the only way that Ramsdale was ever going to accept this was Raya being outstanding. Right. And then he, can, and then he can't say anything. You know, Arteta's decided to go with Raya yeah. at the start of the season. And the only way that Ramsdale cannot have any problems as if Raya has been outstanding. Yeah. But the fact is he hasn't been outstanding. Like when Leno, when, when, when Ramsdale replaced Leno, Ramsdale was excellent and then deserved that kind of spot. Raya well, hasn't any been... professional player, whether you're on the field, in the goal, wherever it is, if you're not playing, and it's pretty obvious that the guy in front of you is playing, but he's playing well, you can't see anything. Yeah. you just got to keep your head down, work hard, and keep a smile on your face until you get an opportunity. But the fact that Raya has not been outstanding. The fact that he has made mistakes, more mistakes than than we, we thought possible, but yet nothing's changed. I'm sorry. If Ramsdale walks in every morning with his chin at his, at his feet, then you can't have a problem with that if you're anybody at Arsenal. And actually, if I'm Ramsdale, I've got a transfer request in. Yeah, yeah it's, that, it's, it's that. Absolutely, ASAP. Did Bert Leno have a smile on his face when he was coming in after I he... very much doubt it. Oh. Did he have any family he members that popped their head up and, and, and put their case forward? Yeah, but he didn't he, he didn't have a he didn't have a reason to do anything about it though, Leno. Because Ramsdale was brought in because he was better than Leno. Ramsdale showed he was better than Leno. And so from Leno's point of view, as you and I would have done on the field, if somebody's doing better than you in the same position, you don't like it. Oh. But you can't see him. I don't need my dad to be uh, chunting on about stuff. No, of course I'm you big, don't. I'm a big boy and he's a big boy. <laughs> and uh, let's, let's... Yeah, I don't let, disagree with that. Let, let's sort of deal with it. I don't remember in any difficult situations uh, any family members getting involved to speak, in, <laughs> to speak in my behalf. It just, it just riles 
a manager probably even more yeah. a little bit because it gets a few headlines. Look, we all, we all are, I think most of us are on the same page that it was a very drastic decision for a goalkeeper who'd played very well and, and that the new number one at the moment doesn't look great. I, I don't think there's any disagreement with that. I, I just think sometimes you have to be careful. It's bad enough when you have agents yapping on yeah. and causing you a few problems, but you really don't need your foul. As much as they might feel strongly about it, they do. They should just be sitting in the background saying, listen, you deal with it and talk to your, talk to your son privately and say, this is, this, is, this is how I'd go about it. You know, keep working away or put a transfer request or do whatever, but just be professional. And then from that perspective, I mean, if, if my old boy was talking to podcasts and stuff or whatever it was, I'd have been, I'd have been straight on the phone to him and say, hey, pipe down. I'll deal with this. This is my problem. I'll deal with it. Uh, Frank? <laughs> Well, uh, it's not really a problem between uh, uh, Raya and, uh, and Ramsdale, uh, w like it wasn't a problem between Leno and Ramsdale. Uh, that's really an Arteta decision who creates a shamble in, uh, in, uh, in the Ramsdale head because I think he doesn't deserve that. Um, as as uh, Stevie said, you would have, or Craig said, you would have gotten, you know, Courtois, or I don't know, the, one of the best goalkeeper in the world, recognized as the, one of the best goalkeeper in the world, you have nothing to say. You're not there. Ramdale, you had a wonderful season last season, but you're not established as one of the best goalkeeper in the world. You have nothing to say. But you take Raya, who has proven before almost nothing, and, uh, and has been, since he signed for the Gunners, average, I would say, uh, even if lately he made some good saves. You have the right to not be happy and not understanding that, that decision. Now, the father talking, we don't want to see that. We don't, as Craig said, we don't need that. You know, that's a problem between grown-ups and they can deal with that. And it's not like um, the father coming to his son because the teacher is giving a, a, bad, a bad remarks. You know, Aaron Ramsdale is a grown-up. He can deal with that. He doesn't need his father for that. That's what, as you can you, think. You got me thinking about Neymar's dad. Do you remember when he came out and said something? You went on a big rant about his dad a few years <laughs> Forgot ago. Forgot about that. Yeah, it made me laugh. But you know, what? it's the kind of thing that, that your parents would do when you're playing in the sort of under nines, tens, and twelves. Yeah. When you know maybe the coach has left you out for some other kid, and there's a bit of favouritism, and then as a little boy or girl, your parents get involved uh, because they know better and you don't know anything. But guess what? He is. He's, he's a Steve, didn't you have he's a grown man? Parents coming to you when you were coach of the Revs. I did. <laughs> Unbelievable. As much as it's hard to believe, I did. Professional footballer. His dad came to me in pre-season, and I rather swiftly wished him good day and offer. What, what did he say to you? What was the suggestion? He was suggesting I should try him in a different position. Oh, nice. Yeah. What was the position he was in, sub? <laughs> uh, he was sat on his backside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by the way. That's where he stayed. Uh, <laughs> uh, just a reminder, there is plenty of content over on our YouTube channel. Be sure to go over there and subscribe. I think we're at three and a half million at the moment. Uh, be sure to join them. Lots of stuff there for you to peruse. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop, 
powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at alienware.com deals. That's alienware.com deals. Meanwhile, international break sees smiles on Chelsea fans' faces after what they've seen the last couple of matches. Of course, beating Spurs 4-1, but maybe more importantly, the way in which they went toe-to-toe with Manchester City in that 4-4 draw. For more on this, Gab Marcotti's with us. But Frank, I've got to start with you. It's the first time you've been on since that game. Has this turned the corner regarding your optimism towards Chelsea for the rest of the season? Uh, I know I'm still hesitating to... Uh... To release myself from that wondering uh, about Chelsea uh, performances, if it's established that they're getting well, they're getting better for sure, but they are there back to the business. I'm still hesitating. I don't know. I, I'm very positive. I was very impressed with the performance, but I still feel that it's a little bit shaky. That's a little bit fragile in every positioning, in every every part of the field that I'm not sure that uh, the players at front will confirm uh, uh, still, even if I wish at the best, that they're going to do so. And I'm not sure at the back, you know, they're going to they're gonna do the job like they didn't do, in fact, against Man City because they conceded uh, four goals. But uh, they, I don't know, I'm still wondering. I was very surprised, I have to say, happily surprised that uh, Chelsea uh, drew and came back twice against City uh, that proved a lot that they want to fight uh, well sometimes we, we might have well at some time at some point we'll have to talk about that penalty because I want to see Cucurella against Haaland being so big and <laughs> falling like he has a fly on his shoulder and he falls and, they, and the ref gives him a penalty but whatever um, Chelsea is getting better but I still want to see more to, uh, to confirm uh, the positivity that I see. Gab, is Todd Bowley's master plan finally coming to fruition? <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. He's had several master plans. This is the latest one. Oh. No, I think there, there's definitely positives you can take away. There's positives uh, with individuals. Obviously, Cole Palmer. I've been hugely uh, impressed by, by Raheem Sterling. Uh, Connor Gallagher's done what's been asked for him. Um, look, now if you do this, this is unfair because you put up a graphic with all the money uh, that they've spent. And obviously, it's going to take a very, very long time to get there. But wow. what I find most encouraging, it's not so much the results and the performances because, look, uh, against Spurs, you're playing 11v9. Uh, against City, you had a whole bunch of pretty grotesque and uncharacteristic individual errors, uh, unforced individual errors on, on, on the other side, from from Ederson to uh, to Ruben Diaz to, to, to Guardiol. I mean, I think you just have to recognize that. But I think what's really impressive is the way Pochettino has, uh, he's clearly gotten buy-in from the players. Uh, this result really galvanized the crowd, a crowd which I think, you know, they, they've seen what, like, 
four home wins uh, in the league at Stamford Bridge in 2023, something like that. Um, and, and, you know, they can get really, really get down very, very quickly. Um, I think there's still a very, very long way to go. I think uh, Nkunku returning is another stepping stone. I'm still not sure that Jackson is, is a long-term answer. I don't think this is a well-put-together team. And, and I think uh, they still have to figure out how to get the best out of Enzo Fernandez. Not because Enzo's playing badly, um, but I think once Nkunku is fit, you know, the question is how do you make sure that you still get what Enzo can give you uh, attacking-wise with, with his sort of uh, you know trailing runs and whatnot, but also his passing from deep. I don't think the system helps him, but, you know, he's adapted. He's contributing. But, you know, there's another level from him to come. There has to be. Um, and then I think Pochettino's figuring that part out. But he's had a ton on his plate. And right now he has that enthusiasm. And I think that that's, that's a huge part of the manager's job. Being very positive about Chelsea. It's the first this season, isn't it? It's nice. Must be a bit positive. Well, it was a... Well, the, the Tottenham game was... Uh, wasn't a contest, really. Uh, but the, the City game, yeah, I mean, it, it remains to be seen whether they can keep that bar at that level or improve it. But they've shown that they can at least reach that standard, which, mm -hmm. is, which is something that they hadn't done, really. Uh, and the way they played with pace, the way they pressed, the way they caused City problems, albeit they did make some mistakes on their own. There's no doubt about that, Man City. But it's it still lended itself into probably the best performance of the season by far against the best team in England. So, uh, yeah, it is a very positive performance, but he has to take that forward now. Uh, and the quicker, I agree, the quicker Nkunku comes back in there, then, then the better. But, yeah, impressed by particularly Cole Palmer and Raheem yeah. Sterling and one or two others. Uh, Frank, as a penalty taker for Chelsea back in the day, how impressed were you that it was 20-year-old Carl Palmer who wanted that responsibility against his old side with all that pressure in the dying embers of the game to take that pen? Um, I mean, uh, I was very impressed. You know, I was, uh, I was shaking for him. I was really shaking for him because I said, you know, you play against your former team, it's last minute, of, well, even more than the last minute of the game. You know that you have to score that goal, otherwise you, you every, uh, you're going to lose at least one point and it's very important for Chelsea to, 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 to get points. Uh, and uh, the maturity that he showed, the certainty of his penalty, he didn't try to play with the goalkeeper, he knew exactly where he wanted to, uh, to put the ball and, and he did. And uh, he did it with, um, yeah, as a grown-up, as a real grown-up, as an experienced player. And uh, is, uh, I'm very surprised, really. I'm very surprised, you know what, that Guardiola didn't keep him. I'm very surprised that uh, he knows how, how to get rid of players who don't go to the standard that City is uh, expecting. But that guy is, is outstanding. He's top-notch. And uh, that's maybe the first mistake that Guardiola makes by getting rid of a player like that. And, of course, Chelsea fans and myself are really pleased that he plays for the Blues now. Craig, take me through it. How, for those two, three minutes, do you compose yourself? What's going through your mind? Because there was a lot of stuff that was going on whilst before the penalty was taken, after it was awarded. How, do you, how, as, a, how as a player do you kind of well, deal not, with that? I don't, I, mean, I don't think it's just this game. I think it's a, pretty much a gen, generalisation now. But, but the two penalties in the game took an age. Yes, in fact, it's so frustrating watching 
everybody huddle around the penalty spot and the referee, and it just seems to take forever. Now, it always took a little bit of time, but not long. But then it just seems the referee is not in a rush to usher them out of the penalty area. And so it is making it worse. I can't answer that question because I never took one in such a big game at his age. Right. You know, he's not a very... If you were given that responsibility at his age, how would you have coped? I don't think, I don't think anybody would have given it to me. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest with you, there was a way more people in the pecking order than me. And, and when I was in my mid-twenties, then, yeah, I was taking that responsibility. But I think... What's going through your head is, is right. You're now, the longer you stand there, the more you're second-guessing what the goalkeeper's going to do. Right. And then you're second-guessing your own decision. Because you get the penalty, you say, right, I'm going to do this. And then there's a kerfuffle, and it takes another two or three minutes, or whatever it is, and you start thinking, right, is that the right, is that the right thing to do? Should I, should I place it? Should I go down the middle? Should I go with pace? What, what way is he going to go? And the longer you're there... Yeah. The more of that's going through your mind. Really? That ain't good. I was, I was with Frank, I told you at the weekend, I was with Frank thinking he shouldn't take it. Yeah. And the reason I was thinking that was because I was actually listening to an old goalkeeper called Shea Given. Yes. Who, when Blackburn were playing Chelsea, when the two sides were at the top of the tree, and Frank Lampard had a penalty Man kick. City. Yeah, Man City. I saw the piece, I was telling him the other Aye. day. And, and Shea Given's goalkeeper was... Kevin Hitchcock, yes, who, who used to be at Chelsea, right, and so he, so he told them, he said, "Hey, under pressure, this is where Frank goes," and so, of course, Frank took the penalty, and she gave him saved that, and that's exactly what was going through my head when I saw Cole Palmer going to take the penalty kick. I'm thinking, you can't let this kid take it because yeah. Edson's got to know what he normally does. But listen, he ends up putting the ball in the net, but. I certainly, if I'd been a coach, I would have tried to change it. Uh, Frank, just take us through those two, three minutes, the kerfuffle, as, as Craig uh, so delightfully described it, as, as a penalty taker, how you deal with that. Uh, when I was young, you know, I was, I was really, I remember having a discussion, discussion with Johan Nisken saying that uh, him, he was certain to choose he was making sure to choose the right, uh, the right uh, direction where he wanted to keep the ball, and then he was closing his eyes. Uh, but when I was young, I was sometimes second-guessing uh, uh, where I wanted to go according to the position of the goalkeeper. But at the end of the day, you say, oh, well, you know, you have to stop wondering. You pick that side first, you, you go that side, you now stop thinking uh, because otherwise your brain's going to ask you to do something else. And you have to make sure that you choose the best side where you feel the more accurate on it. Right. And mo mostly for me was uh, on the right side of the goalkeeper on the, on the, on the floor, which sh should have been the other side for him because he's left-footed. He went high, which is, which is harder than going on the floor, and he went strong on the uh, opening his, uh, his, uh, his foot, which is harder than closing his foot. Uh, well, again, a masterpiece because he's cold. He would have missed it, but we would have said, yeah, because he picked the wrong side, because he put it uh, high on the, on, uh, in the net, and he should have put it on the, on the floor. But as, as long as the guy is successful, you cannot say anything, and you can just say, well done. Good thought, good choice, whatever. <laughs> uh, he, what a 24 hours, you score the winning penalty, or the winning equalising penalty against your old side, then you get called up to the England squad for the first time. We discussed this yesterday with the boys. I just wanted to ask, 
the guys here as well. Frank, do I remember a story that you said when you first called up, your mum was crying, but not in a nice way? Yeah, because, I mean, the day before Aimé Jacquet, uh, the, the French coach, uh, was told if uh, a new player would come, uh, would come up, and he said no. And then when he put his list uh, on TV, uh, he, he put my name, and uh, the journalist from L'Equipe was very upset about the decision. Jacquet told me after that, a long time after, uh, that was why he got upset. And the guy made a half of the page on L'Equipe, which was a big page at the time, <laughs> to explain why I shouldn't be with the national team. He said I was 26 years old, that I was too old, that at least six players that he could name would be uh, more capable of doing the job, where out of the six, five were injured. Uh, and, and he started to, uh, to explain why I, wasn't, I shouldn't be in an, with the national team. So when my mother read that, uh, she, she started to cry. And Emi called me. I was on my way to go to Bastia in Corsica to play again with Strasbourg. And he said, you know, Frank, I'm going to explain to you one day what happened. So that's the reason he explained yeah. to me after that. And he said, I don't want you to react. I don't want you to say anything in newspapers about that because otherwise you're not going to come back. And uh, so I had to shut up for like six months before we, uh, we got qualified. But it was hard. It was hard because you dream about that. You want to be with the national team. Suddenly out of nowhere you are called and I didn't expect that. Nobody called me before and I wasn't expecting that I was playing for Strasbourg. And uh, everybody was com uh, congratulating me where that guy just killed me publicly. And... Uh, and he kept on doing that every game that I was doing, criticizing me. And ended up, uh, well, not being nice to him at one point <laughs> when we got oh. qualified. <laughs> uh, Stevie, when did you find out you were first called up for Scotland? Carrier pigeon? I might have been. <laughs> Morse code. <laughs> Do you know, I can't even remember. I think, I think... Do you not remember? No. no. You would think it would be like a defining moment in your life that you're called up to Scotland for the first time. Yeah, no. 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 <laughs> okay, good. Craig. You should say that. No, because I don't remember. I'm in the same boat. Seriously? Yeah. Like, you've, you've been playing, you're going to get called out to play for Scotland for the first oh, time oh, oh, ever. Hold on. He's playing at Liverpool. Yes. I'm playing at Chelsea. No, I understand you're already established no, as playing at big clubs. I'm only 23. I don't know what age he was. There's a chance it's going to happen, particularly when Scotland are going to play and what was called the, the Kieran Cup, uh, exactly, in Japan, in a friendly. Yeah. So Craig Brown named a lot of the French players, left what you would call the regular international players out, for some younger guys like John Spencer, Paul Lambert, Scott Gemmel, myself, and others. So, as Billy McKinley said, who's now coaching at, where's Billy now, West Ham? Badger. When, he, when, he got on the, when Billy got on the coach, he went, it's the B squads! <laughs> and it was. Going to Japan, but, but still, it's a big deal, isn't it? It's quite <laughs> blasé. Well, I, like, I remember, I remember before really. the game and stuff, and standing there with the pipes going and all sure. that. Right. No, I don't remember being told. I don't remember. That. No. no. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> I'm glad Frank's on. Well, it's not as exciting as you think. <laughs> it's quite. It's, come on, it is exciting. I think because you've been there well, and I done that. I mean, for those of us look on the outside looking no, in, I, it's like I, bloody, you know, I think, wow. I think if you're playing, and my debut is a friendly, obviously in Japan. I remember playing my first home home game. Right. At Hamden. At, at Hamden as in a qualifier. 
and I think it was only my fifth cap, and uh, it was the final group game of the European Championships for Euro 96 against Greece, and it was all on the line. And I'm wet behind the ears compared to everybody else in the team, you know, the McAllisters and Gorham's and all these boys had 40, 50 caps. And that's, that sort of sticks in the mind, going at the old Hamden with the bagpipes beforehand. Right, like and, and the pressurised situation, that, that's... And being by far the most inexperienced player on our team, that, that kind of moment sticks in the mind more than uh, being named in a squad. I think if somebody had slagged me Dan. off... Like Frank. Back, like Frank, I yes. would probably remember. You would have remembered, I would have yeah? remembered yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah go on, Frank. Uh, you know what? The, the first game that I was called, uh, when I was called, uh, it was against Poland, and in fact, it was the last game of Eric Cantona. It was uh, at the end of '94, I think. Yeah, '94, and it was uh, for the qualification for the uh, Euro in, in England. And we went to Poland, and it was the last game of Eric Cantona. It was a dreadful 0-0 uh, for France, and uh, and I remember. You know, seeing Cantona for the first time, being one of my teammates, and uh, and listening to on the plane on the way back, two journalists, very important journalists, saying, "Well, Cantona shouldn't go back to, shouldn't come back to uh, with the national team," and he never came back. That was wow. very strange. Yeah, <laughs> very, very strange. strange indeed. Well, anyway, he's a talented young boy. We know that anyway. So. Just a, no, Cole Palmer. Right, okay. I'm just getting some. Well, he's more interesting than us, isn't he? Well, no, I think people quite. I like your anecdotes of the old days where you don't remember how you got called up and wasn't really that bothered. Uh, right, just a reminder ESPN FC's podcast is available every single day. You can check that out over on our website. Uh, plenty of bonus material. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Passion, drive and patience, what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more, whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with eBay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com edge license only exclusions apply 
Now, Luis Suarez has been talking about Darwin Nunez, saying he has potential technical ability and physical power that he is demonstrating. As a teammate, I'm not surprised, because I knew, even when he had a bad time in Liverpool last year, I spoke to him. In Liverpool, they told me to talk to him. I warned him and told him what English football was. I find this quite interesting, Stevie. Yeah. That you've got someone who was so brilliant at Liverpool offering advice to Darwin Nunez. Do you know does, what? Does it help? You know, he is absolutely the perfect person because I don't know if you remember, but Luis Suarez missed a lot of chances. Early doors. Early doors in his first season. Because early on, the question was is this guy a goal scorer or is he, is he somebody that terrorises defences and, and creates openings for others? Because the questions were was he a finisher? And to begin with, he wasn't. And so. If anybody is the very right man to talk to him, it's Suarez. But what can he say that helps? There's one thing, oh, English football's tough. Well, well thanks, the, I know that. Yeah. Well, the fact, number one, it's Suarez. But yeah. number two, the fact that he's actually been through exactly the same situation right. means that Nunes knows that this is not somebody making up a story or just somebody trying to make him feel good or, or any of that. This is, this is fact. This is absolutely a guy who was going through what I'm going through and actually ended up being one of the best strikers Liverpool's ever had and is an absolute legend in Uruguay. So, it's absolutely perfect and the timing of it's perfect as well. It helps. It doesn't hinder him. No? It doesn't make it any worse. I, was, I mean, I was covering yeah. uh, Liverpool yeah, back then. Yeah. It was unbelievable to watch sometimes. I mean, I remember sitting with a colleague at the, in the early days, and he said to me, he's not a goal scorer. And I said, well, his numbers from Holland would tell you differently. Now, Holland and England, obviously, it's a, it's a different scenario. It's tougher, certainly tougher in England. And he just seemed to like, hit the post. And, do other, and then, but what you had to remember as well, when the goals came for Suarez, and they came a lot, the rest of his game was incredible as well. Which, you know, I've rarely seen a guy that could wriggle away from two or three players under pressure like he did. Uh, and Stevie's right, he was, just, he was just a monster. Whether Nunez can get to that level, whether he's got enough facets in his game, I mean, he's certainly quick enough and physical enough, but Suarez's ability to bring other people into play and jiggle past two or three players was incredible, but it doesn't do any harm that, that he had a tougher, tough start as well and came through with flying colours, and it's up to Nunez to, to, to rise to that, but I tell you what, if he gets anywhere close to Suarez's level, he's going to have a bloody good career. Frank, did you garner advice? Did anyone help you when you made the move to the Premier League? Or indeed, did you give advice to those coming into the league at Chelsea to help them? Well, um, uh, no, 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 not specifically to, to, to anybody. I remember talking to Olivier Dacour, who played for Everton at some point. Um, and talking to him about the difficulty of the Premier League, but also the fact that if he would be good, you know, he would go with the national team, and, uh, and that's what happened to him. Uh, I think you, you want to give confidence. That's the only thing, because you can't, you can't give anything else. As, as Craig said, it doesn't, it doesn't want anybody to, uh, to, to say some, something. It doesn't harm anybody, it, and it's always good to give as a, f 
as an older player uh, um, and, uh, and somebody who has success, it's always good, especially when you come from the same country, which is the case for, for Nunez and, and, and Suarez, and then you play for the same club. So you just want to show to the player that you, you, you want to take care of him that you consider right. him, and he gives confidence to the player. That's what it is. And therefore, you say, wow, Suarez, he comes to talk to me. Therefore, he's the voice of the fans. He's the voice of Liverpool. He represents the past and the success. And he tells me that he believes in me. It gives you s such a boost, I think. Uh, awfully, he didn't tell him to bite people. That's the only thing that I'm concerned yes. about. Yes, yeah, I, th I think that's also very, <laughs> very valid advice going forward. Uh, Liverpool, of course, exceeded expectations so far this season. Is that fair? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, I think if you'd offered Klopp to be a point behind Man City at this stage, initially you would say, OK, we must be, do we must be doing well. But I th I th I'm kind of a little disappointed that Liverpool don't have more points than they do. Wow. So, that's where I'm coming from. They've run the analytics, Craig, and apparently two of the key players in their um, success so far this season... Love analytics. I know, exactly. It's McAllister, McAllister and Sobosly, of course, two signings who've come in. Sobosly in particular is And it's strange in because I don't running. think we've seen the best of McAllister at Liverpool. No, I was thinking that when no they matter, said this. No matter what the, no matter what the stats say, I, you know, he's playing slightly deeper than he was at Brighton. That's due to personnel. I think Sabozlai has certainly caught the eye more. There's no, yeah. there's no doubt about that. But, but yeah, I think there's more to come from those two when they get the right blend uh, behind them and allow them to push certainly McAllister up the field a little bit. Some similar to what Chelsea are looking for as well with Caicedo and, uh, and Enzo Fernandez. Tell you what, don't he's you, been he's been just immense. Don't you, don't you think if they can get somebody beside the two of them? Yep. Then they can just take a step further forward. Who would that be? Right now, I don't I don't know. Right. Right now, I don't have anybody. I used I used to think it was uh, what do you call him? Went to United. I used to think he would be the right the right one beside them. Yes. But. Obviously, at United, it's not quite working out. No. Oh, Amrabat? No, Amrabat. Yes, I, th I thought initially he would be ideal. He could sit just behind the two of them and let them go and do more going forward. But I don't think Endo's the answer. I don't think Jones is the answer. So right now... I think Liverpool need to be on the lookout for somebody. Uh, meanwhile, they've also crunched the analytics for this week and produced the European team of the week. And the front three is quite interesting. It is Vinicius Junior, Rodrigo and Kylian Mbappe. Of course, in theory, this could be Real Madrid's front three next season. Um, Gab, looking at overall, there, of course, there's talk that they can't be bothered with Mbappe and all the baggage that he brings now. Is this a smokescreen, do you think? Um, well, it's it's funny. I don't know what these numbers means and who produced this, but it's just funny because Luis Mbappe, of course, scored a hat trick at the weekend in the win over Rams, but he got an absolute slaughtering from mm. Luis Enrique by Luis Enrique standards. Uh, he was critical of his of, of his performance. He talked about how you know he can do more. He 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 wants to do. He wants him to do more and so on. He almost like challenged him. Um, to contribute more. And I think this goes back to the old thing about Mbappe off the ball. Does he press? The, does he do this work? I think it's also 
not coincidental that um, he's a free agent at the end of the season, right? So if you're Luis Enrique or if you're Paris Saint-Germain, you kind of want to see how Mbappe responds because you want to see how far you can push the boat out to try to keep him. And if he doesn't stay, you've kind of got that sense. Luis Enrique saying, well, look, you know, if he does go, maybe we'll be a better team without him because we'll be more more of a team anyway. So I, I, I just thought it was curious. I mean, um, I don't think Paris Saint-Germain, by the way, were great against uh, against Rams uh, at all this weekend. They won because they had better players, basically. Uh, Mbappe scored a worldie and they scored two goals in the counter. He scored the hat-trick and got roasted by his manager for his lack of work rate. So, kind of helped the team out in some <laughs> sense, obviously, by that. But four days before, he wasn't on the goals and did absolutely nothing in Milan. Mm. Uh, against the Milan side who were the better side and I think that's the problem is that is that okay in France if he gets these a couple of goals and he's a bit lazy it's not ideal but it's who he is but Luis Enrique's seen the downside of it in the Champions League for sure and Do you think it, this is him? This is, this is the guy this is the way he is now you think he's ever going to change? No. That, that first well, goal, that's, what, that's what Real Madrid have to decide that, yeah, Hold on if he's going to change for Real ridiculous. Madrid if he doesn't run for France I think he doesn't run. Doesn't. He's only prepared to have a limited amount of work rate that Deschamps has to accept, as Julian Lorenzo said, has to accept that is what it is. Why would it be different for Real Madrid if it's not for his country? Because he's still brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, but he, he's, still well, he's still an exceptional talent. He's still yeah, going to bring no, you no, no. goodness knows how many goals a season, yeah, which Real Madrid need. But why, why is he going to change? If, regardless of where, what team he plays So if you're Xavi Alonso, you're taking over at Real Madrid, say, next season, do you want him? <laughs> well, well, yes, of course you do, right? right. Because, okay, that, said, that, that's... That, that first goal you saw, it's ridiculous how easy he made that look. Have you any idea how difficult that is? Really? He made it look as though that was just a piece of, piece yeah. of cake. But if you're Real Madrid, the question is, is this guy going to be... Is this it? Right. Is, there, is there anybody capable of making him but, do but, a little bit more work or, or any sort of work? But what you would, you would tell me, if I'm a coach, I believe I've got the ego. Well, I've got, I've got, I think I can get the best out of him. You, I can get him working. You do. I mean, you do. As a coach, you always think you, do, you can. You think you're going to be the person to do it. Yeah. But looking on the outside, do you, do you have to put up with this? Which seems a strange thing to say for a guy who's so good. Do I have to put up with this? But, but that's the question right now. Do you put up with the other stuff? Because you know he's going to produce goals. Frank, what do you think? Well, I think uh, I've been criticising him after the game uh, and I was completely agreeing with, uh, with Enrique that he has to do more. Now, what is it that we want him to do more? He's not chasing back. He's not the type of player who's going to do that. It's just, we just want him to get back into position to maybe try to get the ball back if he can, very close to him. Uh, I mean, we have the example of hundreds of players who used to do or used to not do the job as defender. The, the, the closest from us is, is Lionel Messi. I mean, don't tell me that Messi was going back and trying to, uh, to get the ball back. I didn't see him doing that. I mean, he runs maybe three, four kilometers per, per, per game. Everybody's happy with that. 
but we just want to see the attitude being different from Mbappe when he loses the ball. That's the only thing that I think it has to change. It doesn't mean that he has to run back like Cavani used to do, and that was very appreciated, but he has other talents that he has to be fresh in order to show. So that's the thing. You have to find the, you have to find the right balance. And if he goes to Madrid, I think one word from, for example, Xabi Alonso, if he's the coach, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to tell him will be enough to Mbappe to just be concerned about repositioning himself but be being fresh enough to show his talent at front when they, when they play offensively. I mean, it would be fun if he goes to Madrid, wouldn't it, really? I mean, there's plenty to talk about. Well, yeah, I think as a football fan, yeah. that's what you want to see. You want to see the best players at the best teams in the best league. And, it's not, and, and with all respect, it's not, playing, no. it's not playing in France. Most of the no. great players from France have, have exported out, haven't they? Uh, last word to you on this, Cam. No, I was just going to say, um, there's a very good example uh, of, of somebody who kind of transitioned, who's a devastating attacking player, um, and then kind of, after he moved, changed managers, became more of a comprehensive player. And that's, that's Mohamed Salah, who uh, at Fiorentina, at Roma, uh, yeah, he was very, very productive as, as an attacking player, but also because those were the coach's instructions. So he said, all right, Mo, just you just stay there. We'll win the ball and we'll give it to you. You, you know, you'll run at everybody, beat them and score. And, and that's what he did. And he did it really, really well. And then he moves to the Premier League. He works under Jurgen Klopp, where there's a different system. And Klopp gets him and Sadio Mane and, and Firmino and, and that first iteration of, uh, of, of Liverpool to go and to work and to press and to shield the midfield. And guess what? He still scored a ton of goals, maybe even more goals, and became an even better player than he was. And his team became more successful. Um, I, I think if you're, if you're a coach, maybe that's the transition you you look for Mbappe to make something like that. I mean, you don't have to tell him, oh, look, you can be like Salah because you'll say, oh, look, I'm better than Salah. Okay, great. But it's that kind of uh, it's that kind of transition that you could hope to make and uh, and turn it into into a more successful team. And you know, Xabi Alonso uh, at Bayer Leverkusen, if he indeed is the next Real Madrid manager, he's gotten a tune out of taking players who were kind of purely attacking and making them or, or finding ways for them to, to, to be more of the, uh, more part of the collective, work harder on and off the ball. Um, so maybe, maybe he is the key to unlocking Mbappe next season. Who knows? Uh, we'll say thank you very much to Frank. Frank, however, will be back for extra time, which, just to remind you, you can always check out over on our YouTube channel where the boys stay late uh, to answer your questions. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 
30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, let's head to Italy and talk about the team currently sitting fourth in the table. Ten points of Inter at the top of Serie A. Uh, such excitement over Napoli last season. That has certainly dried up. Uh, Gab Marcotti with us. Gab, how did we get here? How did we get to Rudy Garcia being sad? How did we get to Napoli being so poor in comparison to last season? So... Well, one of the things that really hurt Rudy Garcia is people compare their points total after 12 games last season to this season. And, you know, and he looks like an absolute fool. In reality, you know, as that graphic showed, they're, they're in fourth place. It's not like they're 10th in the table. Um, the way we got here, though, Victor Seaman got hurt and obviously got hurt last season uh, as well. And Napoli didn't miss a beat. Um, but I think he... You know, it's the same team as last season, except for Kim, who, who was replaced by, by Nathan. You know, not an upgrade, but still. But I think what really hurt him is uh, he's had a couple run-ins with with players, with Osimen, with Politano, with Kvartskalia, uh, which hasn't helped. And the team don't look as smart. Uh, they've had a horrendous uh, home record. I think it's only seemed like only two wins and eight across all competitions. They they managed to break uh, Union Berlin's uh, uh, losing streak by uh, by somehow <laughs> drawing with Union Berlin, which is which is a real feat uh, in those circumstances. Um, he would have been gone, I think, in in the last international break if if they'd managed to move quickly enough and uh, and, and and find a replacement. And ultimately, you know, was it, you know, it's never a good sign when the guy who hires you for a job comes out and says, yeah, Dan, you're actually my fifth choice to, oh. um, to host the FC show. There were four guys I wanted, but I couldn't get them. So I settled on you. And that's exactly what the Laurentiis did. By the way, I'm sure you're everybody's first choice. But um, he, uh, <laughs> he said, Rudy, yeah, he was my fifth choice. So, you know, maybe... It's not surprising that we're struggling. That, that's not a good, that's never a good sign. How far then has he gone down the list to get Mazzari in? Yeah, see, that, that's my reaction. I am not a Walter Mazzari guy. I know he's had success in Naples. But man, his football to me seems completely antithetical to where Napoli are now. He's not the easiest guy to deal with in terms of the, uh, uh, you know, in, 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 in in terms of the dressing room, in terms of the players he has, uh, he's not at all um, suited to be kind of the face of Napoli and to relate to the fans, uh, or at least to relate to the media, I should say. The fans, as long as you win, you know, they'll, they'll like him. Uh, he's not had a lot of success uh, after he's moved on. Um, I don't know. I find this situation, I find it very, very odd. Um, but yeah, I guess he was available and knows the club. But, man, um, I hope he proves me wrong. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, what does this mean for the future of Osimhen then, Gav? Well, um, I mean, there's obviously there's a contractual element to it. Uh, that's another big thing because obviously they want him to they want him to re-up. He wants to re-up. Um, but equally, uh, they want to put, you know, there's going to be a clause in there. Um, and that's what they're, they're, they're discussing. You want to keep Victor Osimhen happy so he does re-up so that, you know, when he does go, uh, Napoli will get a big feedback. But to do that, he's got to be happy working under under Walter Mazzari, who's, like I said, not always the most cuddly type. Um, then again, 
Manzani's worked with very good strikers in the past, like Edinson Cavani, um, and he's gotten through to them. So I think that's what you hope for is that, you know, he and uh, he and Ossiman, who, who should be back, by the way, in, in, in two, three weeks, that, you know, they can click and uh, this can be productive and he can be happy. Uh, final question. Why do you hate Mark Ogden, Gam? Why did you make him sit on his own yesterday? You know what? That was entirely down to the studio. Um, oh, yeah, they wanted yeah, sure. a certain balance of light and darkness. So they wanted, you know, you know, Jules being all sort of pixie-ish and all light and enthusiasm and bubbly. And, uh, and, you know, and Mark Ogden, the prince of darkness on the other side of the studio. That's all it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but... <laughs> Frankly, must have run out of deodorant. <laughs> that was it. Uh, you can check out the latest edition of the Gab and Jules podcast. We say thank you very much uh, to Gab Marcotti. Get an interview. <laughs> For his own job. <laughs> uh, we knew it was going to happen, but it was confirmed today. Emma Hayes is the new coach of the US women's national team. An extraordinary career up to now. And what a step this is for her. Um, Sebastian Salazar caught up with the MVP from the NWSL final, Midge Purse, to talk about the appointment. I got to ask you about Emma Hayes. This is one of the, the biggest names uh, in all of women's football. What's your reaction to hearing that she'll now be the next manager of the U.S. women? Well, like you said, one of the biggest names in all of international football. I welcome her to the U.S. I think she's going to be absolutely incredible, and I can't wait to see what she does. As somebody who's part of this team, part of the dressing room, what does she need to know uh, about this group to get the best out of y'all? Oh, you know, I stay in my lane. I think she knows exactly <laughs> what she needs to do, and I think she'll do just that. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Very political from the player's perspective. I can respect yeah. that. Um, <laughs> what about the Olympics coming up? Because we know the Olympics is a whole different animal from the World Cup, right? Roster spots, it's a lot tougher to make an Olympic roster, usually just down um, to 18. How stiff do you think, Midge, the competition is going to be for one of those 18 roster spots? I think every time we have any type of tournament, any tournament, any qualifier, World Cup, it's always difficult to make the roster. And it's it's no different than the past. It will be incredibly hard and an incredibly honorable position. Mm. How does missing out on the World Cup maybe impact you and your thoughts, your desires about the Olympics? Uh, they don't, to be quite honest. It's uh, it's a new cycle. It's a new coach. I think that everyone kind of enters new cycles with the same attitude, which is you. It's earned, and you and you got to go after and get it again. Mm. Speaking of earning it, I think a lot of people are thinking, all right, if the U.S. is going to get back on top, they're going to have to earn it at this Olympics after the the disappointing showing. Is it realistic for us as American fans to still think that the U.S. women's national team should be considered a gold medal favorite heading into the Olympics? Wow, absolutely. Uh, it's shocking to me that anyone would categorize it as unrealistic. Uh, international football is is anyone's game. Anyone can win that that tournament. So, yeah. That's some confidence there. There's some confidence there from Midge Purse. All right, well, Midge, uh, can't wait to see you back on the field with the national team. Congratulations on all the success with Gotham FC. And enjoy what little sliver of, a, of an offseason you do have, because I know it's brief. <laughs> Thank you. Mitch Persson talks more about that final that we saw Gotham win at the weekend on the latest edition of Football Americas. Uh, be sure to check it out. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. Whoa! 
My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Frank is with us. Stevie's got a new jacket. Did you manage to cut the label off? Aye. How'd you do that? Where'd you find the scissors? People here, people here with birds all over the shop. Oh, I see. Be a oh, I see, I see. And, and Craig did something today which I didn't think I'd ever see him do. Help you with your computer. Yeah, but he was bored useless. Well, he was pacing around and he was right. And you know, that, I you know, knew it was an easy fix today. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 And was it, it was an easy yeah, fix? It was pretty easy. Yeah. Difficult fix? Yeah, that's it. Stay, stay, stay well aware. Would you rather be in Chelsea's or Manchester United's dressing room, Frank? Chelsea had good performances and Pochettino's style is visible but inconsistent results and sitting mid-table. Manchester United are sitting sixth and winning matches but with goals from midfield and defence and no style of play. Ooh, that was long. Well, it's more about the, uh, the atmosphere that I feel that uh, at Chelsea must be, I would say, good. Uh, and the players trying to understand each other. Where you have more experienced players at Manchester United not, uh, not coping with each other, not dealing with each other, not trying to, to, uh, to bond with each other. So I feel the atmosphere is more tense in, uh, in the Red Devils dressing room than in mm. Chelsea. So uh, I'd rather be with, uh, in, in, uh, in the Chelsea dressing room, I think, right now. It was interesting, wasn't it, after that uh, United narrow win at the weekend? That yeah, Luton. So, yeah, look, that some people or some organisations managed to sort of carve out a very positive outlook. Wow. Was it Manchester United TV? <laughs> Surely that's no, the only no. one. You not see it? About the four or five wins out of six. Ah, the stats, yes. Yeah. yeah. Stats. But when you look when you look a bit deeper, yes. then it's Burnley, yes. Brentford, Fulham. Fulham. Sheffield United, Luton. There you go. So, ah, there we go. You hate United, Craig. No, no, it's just, that's fact. Uh, Frank, what does Saliba have to do in order to start for France? Name a better French defender right now. I agree. I agree. The guy is outstanding, but that's uh, there is one guy, and uh, he makes choices, and his name is Didier Deschamps, and there is nothing mm. to. Uh, to complain about because uh, what he's done so far is pretty good. I mean, uh, uh, he won a World Cup, uh, he, uh, he played another, a final of another one, and, uh, and um, he has the choice of a king, what we say, you know. He has so many centre-backs that, that he can put on, uh, and he has the, uh, a feeling. So, uh, it's clearly for me that uh, Saliba should, uh, should be uh, one of the two, for sure. But it's up to him, and uh, he's the boss, so there's nothing to complain as long as we have results. Would any of the guys, Dan included, accept an appointment to coach their national team for an international break window? Imagine me walking into a dressing room and <laughs> trying to get any respect. Excuse me! <laughs> uh, would you be interested, Stevie? <laughs> 
Well, well why not? Aye. Yeah, you'd like it? Yeah, well, cool. I'd oh. put a game, aye. Nice. Aye. We, we take him with you? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I want to keep them happy. Right, I see. You suggest that Craig would not. No, correct. No, no. I think you'd be a little harsh on them. Oh, really? Yeah. For God's sake, I've, I've had this discussion before. I wouldn't just walk, go in the dressing room like a bull in a china shop. <laughs> All right, maybe. Yeah. What, uh, why change? However many years of yeah. doing that. Frank, would you like to join Didier Deschamps for an international break? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, it's uh, for me the holy grail to be uh, to have the chance to to deal with the national team. So as a coach, that would be very much interesting for me. Yeah. Oh, I thought. I th no, well, I thought we'd say no to that. To be honest. Um, start bench, right. loan out, and sell <laughs> these former Premier League duos. So who is the best? Suarez and Sturridge, Rooney and Ronaldo, Kane and Son, or Good Johnson and Hasselbank? Let's take it back a bit. Kind of tough to go against Rooney and Ronaldo, isn't it? Uh, well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. And then I'd probably go for Suarez and Sturridge after that. That was some season they had, wasn't it? The one where Brendan Rodgers was manager? Yeah. Just all Yeah, everything just clicked. What do you think, Frank? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I think definitely going for Rooney and Ronaldo. I start them. Yeah. Uh, I bench Kane and Son, I would say. Alon, Suarez and Surridge. And I'm sorry for my two friends, Gudjonsen and Asel Bank, but uh, oh. they are my four, fourth choice, yeah. Are they really your friends, Frank? Uh, yes, we are good friends. We were teammates and we respected each other a lot. No, and no, I saw no, 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 no. Take the word respect. respect. Yeah. No, I love, I love, I love both. You know, no, 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 no. I love both and uh, I know we have a very good relationship. We don't call each other uh, Wait, every day. Like that's your friend then, is it? Well, I don't have their phones, <laughs> to say the truth. <laughs> there we go. We got, we got there in the end. Craig, if you were to start a podcast, which two of the ESPN crew would you pick as your co-hosts? Oh, it's got to be you and Stevie, hasn't it? Podcast. Oh, yeah. podcast. I think it'd be beautiful. I think it'd be very nice. <laughs> oh, how long you'd last till you say something stupid, Stevie? I think well, it, the very first podcast we'd open with. Right, just so you know, I didn't want to do that, <laughs> yes, but, exactly. but I've been told I've got to do it. Is that you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, definitely. Yeah. Right. Just before we start, <laughs> we called the Why the Hell Are We Doing It podcast. Yes, uh, yeah, exactly. Who's bothered? Yeah. Don't yeah. give people ideas. Oh, no, it might be I'm nice. busy enough. Busy enough? What are you doing? Uh, busy. Busy? Yeah, yeah the golf busy. season's over. It's the perfect opportunity. People, what are all these people that do all these things? Though? Well, people like it. Okay. Podcast and shows, yes. and they take themselves off and do other things and do. Yeah. Just have a day off, will you? Busy. Hi. Oh, right. What? What was your question? Who would you have as your two hosts? Gab, two. obviously, to help you out. Well, if I wanted a quiet day at the office, just get Gab in. Yeah, just ask me a question, and walk out, that'd <laughs> be fine. Him and Shark. Ah, oh, there you go. Beautiful. I'll okay. tell the big man though he's got a podcast to do. <laughs> yeah. Not see him for a month. Um, <laughs> for Frank, it's five years later and acting has landed you more Academy Awards than football accolades. Congratulations, well done. Now an aspiring director, what is your first movie about? 
Almost himself, isn't it? Well, yes. Oh, <laughs> the Frank LaBeouf story. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. He's got, got that journalist oh. from La Keep. <laughs> I Jordi, Frank LaBeouf. <laughs> from humble I beginnings. Don't know. Yes. <laughs> and it's a World Cup winner. I don't know. That would be maybe a biopic about uh, somebody, I would say, you know, because I, I, I love those. I love watching those, like Oppenheimer. I really I love Oppenheimer, but I love JFK, for example. Jeff Gibbs. Um, uh, the, the, bio, the biopic <laughs> that I played in with about Stephen, Stephen Hawkins was absolutely fantastic. So yeah. I guess if I do, if I go for that, I would go for a biopic. I don't know. I'm on, I don't know. Maybe I don't know what can who I can say. Uh, Maybe something about the General de Gaulle, uh, or maybe uh, Ch Mr. Churchill. Uh, yeah, Winston Churchill would be interesting, I think. Oh, there we go. Got a bit of cape fear myself. Say again. Cape fear. Yeah. <laughs> bit of cape fear. Cape fear. Con air. Con air. Band the Brothers the other night. Oh. AMC. There you are. Yeah. Change it up, Greg. Mile. Uh, Stevie. Marvellous. Stevie, how was your journey from a pro footballer to a pundit? And what is the one thing that genuinely surprised you about your new job? Um, the journey. Well, you got sacked okay, at the Revs yeah, and then got, you came I here full time. I did, I got sacked at the Revs. And as it turned out, it did me a right, right favour. Yeah? Yeah, we came here. Came here? Kind of. I, I, sort of, I sort of fell into this more than anything. Fell I mean, into that jacket, but it looks it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you were asking, you wanted to borrow it earlier because you were cold. How many, hey, how many that, months? That'd be an overcoat <laughs> on me. How long did it take down the road to accept that you were never going to coach again? Hey, Man United. Four. 500 to one. As soon as, as soon as you offered me a contract. That was it. Aye. That made that decision easy for you. Well, remember, I didn't have a, I, 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 had, I, I didn't have a good End to the, the refs. Yes. I didn't like you were stressed. You were going, stressed. Yeah. I was on blood pressure tablets, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. Two soon as soon as I was offered the full time job. What you have yeah. You're not in blood pressure tablets here? No blood pressure tablets here. Yeah. <laughs> right. You were quite clever, weren't you? Clever? You went in, in very you went in as a player. You were still playing as a pundit, which is quite rare, because you obviously saw it as a window. To the future? No, no. Well, I enjoy doing it, but yeah, I did it when I, since I was in my mid twenties. When did you stop enjoying doing it? <laughs> How did you get into it when you're mid twenties? <laughs> it's very boring. No, it's interesting. People are interested, oh, Craig. I didn't know that. No, because so we played on a Saturday, and say for example, Sky Sports wanted somebody for the studio on a Sunday for a particular game, and I would do that. But or I did a radio commentary. Or if I was suspended and somebody said, oh, he's suspended for the weekend at Chelsea, can he commentate in the game on Capital Radio? So I would do that. And but I... why you? Well, because say it was Chelsea, I didn't because want to... Because he's smart and he knows... He knows how Chelsea to speak Man English. United, right? <laughs> Chelsea Man United. Do you remember that game when Zola scored that great goal at home against Man United, Frank? Oh, of course, when he dribbled everybody in the is it When he dribbled box, past Dennis Irwin, yeah. blah, 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 and go. Well, I was doing the radio, mm. and I was like a novice, but I was suspended. Right. So they'd obviously look and said, who's available and who's not, who's not available to play for Chelsea that can do the commentary? Right, so I said, oh, he's injured, he's injured, Burnley suspended. So somebody said to me, would you do the commentary on the Saturday? So I was like, I'll do it, but I've never done it before. So I got, I got into it, and it was the same with the TV. Wow. So then when people... Before there was a gazillion dollars for everybody in the game, 
when when people were playing, I used to say to them, uh, or when I was just finished, I used to say to guys, listen, if the t if you're interested in doing this, if the TV or the radio ask you when you're still playing, going and you can earn yourself a, a little bit of money, yeah, but you'll get an experience to TV and radio. Go and do it. And you either you either can be bothered or you can't. Right. But I enjoyed it, so I did a lot of work for Sky and other companies, radio and TV. But I was pretty inexperienced, but at least I had some sense of how it worked. And then Craig, built, I built a helmet. Can Craig, he fell, can I when ask I, you? When I retired, it can he fell on my lap a right. little bit with who bought the rights? Yeah. Go on, Frank. Well, you, I, I didn't know you had the rights to uh, to do that. I didn't know that the rights to. Uh, to get money from another job, but also to be authorized by your club to commentate on the your own, your own team. I didn't know oh, that didn't you had the right to do that. <laughs> Turn up on the Monday. Okay. That was it. Just nick, nick across to the West Stand and comment. <laughs> what about you, Frank? Uh, well, you know what? What surprised me the most about that that new job is I I was on friends with journalists. I mostly hated journalists because I always thought that they were they were um, bitter uh, against players and when I gave up and I started to work for radio, TV, commentating and I joined you in 2006 I discovered players, uh, I mean journalists crazy about football, crazy passionate about football and I really discovered your world and really appreciated the, uh, the company of, uh, of those journalists that I thought were, were bitter and I was completely wrong. I discovered another world of people knowing so many things um, and, uh, and I, I really, I really like that. And uh, I went into that, you know, really trying, pushing, you know, against that, saying, no, I don't want to do that, but I'm going to try it. And I loved it. I loved it because I talk to passionate people and uh, it's who I am as well, so we bonded very well. How do you find it doing it in your second language, Frank? How do I find what? How do you find it? Is the, do you get frustrated at all that maybe you can't find the words? Do you prefer doing it in, Fra in French in France? Or do you like having the freedom here to be able oh, to say what you pretty much like? Uh, it's, a, it's always a question mark for me. Is my English good enough to express what I really want? Because of course it's easier in France, in French. And, uh, and, and for me, I, I, sometimes when I would talk to you, I would love to be more precise. And I know that I have a lack of words to express. Uh, and I know the time is short, that yeah, we have to be fast, we have to be accurate. And, uh, and um, I miss that, but I, I'm happy to, uh, to, to do it and to uh, and, and to, um, put me, to put myself in the age, in fact, and uh, it's always interesting. Uh, well, final question, always quite deep, the final question. Oh. If you could change one moment in each of your careers, what would it be and why? Oh, goodness me. Right, let's go Frank, because you two will have to think and then whatever. Right, go on, Frank. <laughs> um... What do I, you know, I will go with what Craig says a, a lot of times, that I should shut up. And I would have loved to be a little bit uh, more shy and more on my side and not opening my mouth up every, every time and saying so many maybe truth but disturbing stuff. I would have loved to be a little bit of a, a Torre Andre Flo 
kind of, you know, player who, uh, you know, maybe think twice before saying a stupid thing like I sometimes I do, or I did. Oh, that's interesting. He's stolen your one, Craig. What did he say? He should shut up more. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt for me that wouldn't be the World Cup uh, getting sent off because we're already 2-0 down, so don't right. change much because we didn't play well that night. But it's definitely the one moment, that split second I could have got, I could take back, would have definitely been the FA Cup semi-final. Right. Philip Pass back. When I went with the ball, with Andy Cole or Giggs, I can't remember who it was, flicked it over their head, and in those days you could pass it back to the goalkeeper, you could pick it up, and I sliced it. I, I went to scissor kick it back to take the pressure off, and I sliced it, like shanked it in golf, and David Beckham scored. If I had the one moment not to do that again, because everything just fell at the in the wrong time, because Terry Phelan was playing left back for us, all right? Yeah. And Terry, former Man City player, Terry was one of the quickest fullbacks in the game. But Terry had just gone forward on a busting run and pulled his hamstring, so he wasn't even there. So right. there, and then the last, the last resort was my best man was in goals. Right. Kevin Hitchcock. Yeah. The best man at my wedding, he's going to save me. Yeah. What did he do? Fell on his backside. <laughs> David Beckham, get him the old, uh, the old dummy, and he went down like a large tree. But if I could have that, just, just, I think to myself now, because we played so well in that game, it was one each at the time. Uh, That's when the FA Cup was a big, big deal. Huge. That was on TV. Our front two were Mark Hughes and Rude Hullett. Hullett scored the opening goal. Keane was in the side for them, Giggs, all these, but we had, had it was a it was a toe-to-toe -to -toe game for yeah. the part. No grass in the pitch, nothing, by the way. That one moment, and then look, it is what it is now, but looking back now, but if, if you said to me, could I change that moment, it would be that decision, I would have just hooked the ball up the field. But it just something in your mind went, this is the right thing to do. Sure. And it obviously wasn't. Stevie? I'd probably go with the Scotland chance in the World Cup. 86. 86, aye. Who was that against? Uruguay. What should you have done? Should I just should have got a better contact on it. Right. I mean, I, I, I mistimed it. It came off the sole of my foot, which gave the goalkeeper enough time to get across and make a save. So, yeah, probably that. I mean, yeah, go with that one. Thank you very much, boys. This is when you're at your best. I like these stories. Rest of the time, you're rubbish. Uh, ESPN NFC <laughs> is back on your screens uh, tomorrow. I'm being told it's a big VAR special. <laughs> oh. I'm off. <laughs> You're off. Oh. Yes. I'm going to be off. Ian Dark is on to say why he oh, thinks it's just a feel very scrap unwell. it all. <laughs> scrap it all. Get rid of it all.